It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, once more and with feeling into Football Asia, we march in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Simon, Alex, how are you guys? Very good. You get the final words for this season of the global game. Uh, Let's start with the FIFA (laughs) Under-20 World Cup. Uh, The group stages are complete and uh, safe to say a bit of a mixed bag for Asia. Yeah, two out of the four teams made it through to the knockout stages. So um, it's, I guess you could say it's a a pass mark. I think probably the most impressive so far has been Uzbekistan in their group. They had an impressive um, first up performance against Argentina that we spoke about last week, even if they didn't get the results um, struggled in the first half against New Zealand, but came down from uh, 2-0 down to, to get a draw and then beat Guatemala. So they've set themselves up nicely. They play Israel in uh, the round of 16. Um, so a very winnable match there to get themselves through to a quarterfinal, which I think would set them up with either Brazil or Tunisia as well, which would be huge for them. So I think they've been impressive. Japan's probably been the biggest disappointment from an Asian point of view given that they got that first up win against Senegal they played Israel in that final group stage game I think it was a draw would have been enough to to get them through and they conceded in the 92nd minute to lose 2-1 which saw Israel go through at their expense because had they gone through we would have seen Japan versus Uzbekistan in the round of 16 which uh, would have guaranteed an Asian team through to the, uh, the quarterfinals at least. As it is, uh, that round of 16 draws sees Uzbekistan facing Israel, which uh, I guess that gives them a decent shot at the last eight. Uh, and South Korea, who of course, uh, beat France in that big boil over in the group stages on match day one, take on Ecuador, uh, who with respect are probably not the strongest South American nation. So they've got a shout, a shout too of getting through to the quarters. Yeah, absolutely. We know they've got the talent to do it. We probably haven't seen it on the pitch as much this tournament, they did what they needed to do after getting that first start win against France. They had a nil-all draw in their final group stage game against Gambia, which on paper appears a bit of a disappointing result. But I think both teams knew going into that game that a draw was enough to see both of them through to the group stage. So I think it was one of those where they kind of just had that gentleman's agreement that neither of us will really push really hard to, to win this game and we'll both see it through. So perhaps not their, their best performance, but you know they've given themselves a chance now. Looking at the uh, the domestic game and in Saudi Arabia, uh, disappointment for Cristiano Ronaldo and his Al Nasser teammates as um, Al Ittihad clinched the title in Saudi Arabia for the first time since 2009. Yeah, which is really hard to think about when, when you consider Al Ittihad, one of the giants of... Asian football, um, not just Saudi football as well. The fact that it's been so long between titles for them is is quite staggering. They had a 16-point lead last year and they blew it in the final weeks to lose to to, uh, to Al-Hilal. So as they stumbled last week, I think they uh, they drew a game to, to uh, allow Al-Nasser to close. There were sort of um, a few heart flutters amongst their fans that surely they couldn't do it again. But no, they they got the win that they needed on the weekend in the penultimate match to, uh, to seal their title um they've been the best and most consistent team all season al nasser were on top for a long time but when you you look at what they were able to achieve marcello um groher the 
goalkeeper, broke the record for the most clean sheets in the Saudi league. I think he's up to 17 or 18 now in 29 matches. Uh, one of the best defensive records ever in the Saudi Pro League. Only conceded 13 goals in 29 games. They were this season's best team. They're going to have the golden boot winner as well. So I think all the eyes now turn to what the Saudi league looks like next year because obviously we know Ronaldo was there. There's all the talk of Messi. There's the, the rumours in the last 24, 48 hours that Aliti had are looking to strengthening uh, strengthened by signing um, Karim Benzema from Real Madrid as well with a, uh, a deal of 200 million euros over two seasons as well. Um, and some of the reports from Madrid expect him to take that deal and, and head to Saudi Arabia. So um, we could see another Ballon d'Or winner head to Saudi as wow. well. So it's uh, it's all going to happen over the next couple of weeks, I think. They only need Neymar. They've got the full set. Um, that would be extraordinary and would certainly uh, put the Saudi Pro League out there way in front, you'd imagine, uh, probably where China used to be a, a few years ago. Uh, one big name that will not be going to Saudi Arabia is uh, Barcelona legend Andres Iniesta, who, of course, has been playing for the last few years for Vissel Kobe, but uh, looks as though he's on the way out. I think he's been dropped by his coach, Vissel Kobe, of course, doing very well at the top of the J-League. Uh, I did see uh, a rather cheeky suggestion on Twitter. I can't remember who it was from, actually, that uh, the APL should offer him a, a big stake in the Newcastle Jets and tell him to come over here and, and build a team in his own image. And I I don't mind that suggestion. Oh. Give, give him a, a, a stake in the entire Hunter region as well, I would reckon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything to, to get him here. Yeah, he's, he's announced that he is leaving in the summer in Japan um, after five seasons there it's interesting now how you evaluate his success because obviously the whole idea was him to go there and and get that title for Vissel Kobe the ironic thing is they look like winning that title in the season where he's not playing and is now going to leave they do look a better team this year without him for as good a player as he is his legs have gone he can't play that sort of high octane style that they're wanting to play this season so he he did what he needed to do in terms of going there and raising the profile of the club. He went there at the same time that the J league really looked to internationalize their product. So he certainly helped in that regard as well. He did win some silverware. They won the Emperor's cup. So um, he has had great success without getting the, uh, the ultimate title at the end of it. I still think you have to say it, it is a success and don't rule it out Simon, because I have seen some suggestion that he will go to Saudi Arabia as well, but I don't put too much <laughs> stock in that one. Wow. Well, I can certainly afford him, that's for sure. Um, Park Ji Sung is another big name. He's long since retired and uh, he's become an administrator, the former Manchester United and uh, South Korean international winger. He's been appointed the chair of the AFC Professional Football Task Force. Uh, and I was reading an interesting interview with him on uh, the AFC.com this week. And he says that one of his goals is to increase the amount of intrazonal games uh, played in competitions like the Asian Champions League, uh, and also to, in, to increase the number of Asian players playing in different Asian leagues. Do you think that's the way forward for Asia culturally and technically? I mean, we've long said that we, we should have more Asian players in the A-League, for example. Hmm. Uh, I do, and it's good to see Park come out with those 
comments as well. It's a really interesting role that he's got. He's got an official role at John Book in South Korea as well. So it's always nice to see former players get involved to uh, to this degree. I certainly think, and I've been pushing for it for the last couple of years, that we need to see more cross-continental games. I think that's a good thing we're going to see in this new reformatted ACL that it is going to open up from the quarterfinal stage that we will see East and West mix. Personally, I'd like to see that in the the other tiers underneath that as well. Um, The AFC Cup and the new third tier competition, whatever it is that they end up calling those, they will still be split along regional lines. And while you can understand that from a financial point of view um, and what they're trying to do in in terms of generate the interest from, you know, existing rivalries that are there, it doesn't do anything to help grow Asian football like Park said. But what I find really interesting with his comments, given his official role now, at AFC is that it comes at a time that so many leagues, including the champions league are actually doing away with the plus one foreign player Mm. requirement. So it doesn't seem like he's in total harmony with what the AFC are doing. You've got, you know, the the head of the professional football task force saying we need, you know, more Asian players moving within Asian competitions at the same time, they're taking away the incentive for clubs to do that. So I think they probably need to get on the same page. It'll be interesting to see whether he can have any influence in that and whether that may be reversed going forward as well. And finally, uh, Paul, the story of Nick Olsen, who uh, who once was with the Brisbane Roy, is now with Da Nang in Vietnam. Now, not many Aussie footballers go to Vietnam, but he's gone to the same club where a certain James Johnson once played. How's he going? Um. He, he has. I've got to be honest, I, I have a vague recollection of him moving to Vietnam last year, I think it was. Haven't followed his progress um, a lot since then, but I did speak to someone today when someone mentioned it to me to find out how he was going. He was at Saigon last year when they got relegated, um, and I was told he, he was one of their better players in a, in a disappointing um, team. Um, transferred this season to Da Nang, which is as you said, where uh, James Johnson used to play. They're also struggling winless after nine games, featured in most of the games, mostly off the bench as well. But uh, probably having a sense of, uh, of deja vu um, with a uh, with another struggling team. But it's good to see Aussies go over there. As you said, we don't see a lot of Aussies go to Vietnam. We've seen them in Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore and the like, but not a lot in Vietnam. It's a league that's generally dominated by Brazilians and players from the African continent. So yeah. um, always good to see an Aussie flying the flag. He's had an interesting career, Nick Olson, for a, a kid from the Sutherland Shire. Uh, not only his two stints in the A-League with Brisbane and the Wanderers, but of course he also played in Kuwait and got relegated in Kuwait as well. So he's, he's got a bit of a curse about him. Uh, but he's, <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a great lad. And, uh, you know, isn't it a great way to see the world? Mm. Uh, some places that you'd, you'd mm. probably never go and see otherwise. Kuwait, Vietnam. What a life. Hey, uh, Paolo, what a life you have as well, covering Asian football. And uh, we thank you this season for all your work, some terrific stuff. And it's great to educate people about uh, uh, Asian football. And there's none better in this country than you, Paolo. So thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that, Simon. I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to to talk about Asian football. And um, congrats to you guys on a, another terrific season as well. It's been a pleasure to share my Tuesday evenings with you. Cheers, Paolo. Very nice. Thanks, mate.